I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the gang. You know, the one you never asked to be a part of. You are listening to The Grief Gang Podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. This podcast has been created to tackle the tough but important conversations around grief with authenticity, realness, and having a laugh whilst we're at it. Look, we're all going to experience grief at some point in our life, in some way or another. So it's good to talk about it, so that it's not much of a nightmare when it comes knocking at our doors. Grief can be incredibly lonely and isolating, but you don't have to feel lonely alone. On this podcast, you will hear various different stories and experiences, ones that will uplift you, inspire you, break your heart, mend your heart, and get you asking yourself some big questions. Some of these stories are my own, some are from the wonderful growing Grief Gang community, And some are from the incredible guest interviews. You will most likely cry. (laughs) I hope somewhere along the line you can get a giggle in. But I promise you, you will learn something. I haven't got a clue what you'll take away, but I know you will take away something. So this might be weird to say given the context, but happy listening. Well, 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 Grief Gang, where do I even begin to try and give you a synopsis to this episode? To sum it all up in a nutshell, you're basically about to hear an hour of me getting some free therapy. (laughs) I'm not even joking, so if that's not your bag, you can switch off now. But if I tell you what the therapy is centred around perhaps you might stay. 
Today, Grief Gang, I am talking all about the surviving parent. So, for caveat, actually, today's episode is going to be very heavily based on the loss of a parent and being the child. Oh, drop my phone, Jesus! Being the parent, the child after you know a parent has died, and the complexities. <laughs> Can you hear the little nervousness in my voice? That may come around that. Um, and more, more excitingly. I decided I need to discuss this with somebody else and basically um, dig up all this trauma and unpack it with somebody else. And I have got no one other than Julia Samuel, MBE. Get that MBE in, babe. <laughs> she is. You You should know who Julia Samuel is by the time you are listening to this podcast. Julia Samuel is the bad B of grief. She is leading psychotherapist, author, fellow podcaster, patron of Child Bereavement UK. Like, she is the like the queen of grief. And you, if you don't already listen to her podcast, Therapy Works, you should. But Julia is a very highly esteemed and well-respected voice in the grief space. And I fully, fully echo that of love her, adore her, have the privilege of getting to know her and, and build and build a relationship together. And this episode is off the back of me being on her podcast. And I wanted to talk with her about the surviving parent and the relationship with that of, of parent and child and how it can change and how we can fix some things and very much at the center of this episode it is about when the other parent moves on romantically when your parent gets a new boyfriend girlfriend partner wife whatever it is starts dating again and you're not entirely sure how to feel or maybe you feel good maybe you don't just exploring that so I don't want to have too much of a rambly intro, but that is what today's episode is all about. It's raw. I can't lie. It's fucking raw on my side. I think it's possibly the most vulnerable I've been in a very long time and actually like being inquisitive about why I've been ticking the way that I tick and reacting certain ways in the relationship with my surviving parent, my dad. Can you hear the nervousness in my voice? Because it is, but I'm really, really grateful to Julia for doing this with me and for allowing me and just, and for, you know what, for giving me some hard truths and some honest truths that I've known deep down, but she just allowed me the space to explore that. I guess that is obviously the signs of a very great psychotherapist, right? <laughs> it's what she does for a living. So without further ado, I'm going to let you listen to my therapy session all about the surviving parent. Hello, Julia. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. I, as I was saying, don't think that there'd be anybody else that I would want to have this conversation with. And I think potentially by the end of this recording, we may <laughs> find out why. But thank you for joining me. How are you today? I'm extremely well, Amber, and honoured to be on your podcast. And I always, always value and get something from our conversation so I'm looking forward to whatever it is 
you want to talk about <laughs> likewise and I think uh, do you know what for mm. me Julia you know, I've been doing this podcast for well, three coming up four years and since the beginning and since coming and starting and being immersed in this world you've always been at the top of my list to have as a guest and you're probably sat thinking well why is it taking us three to four years exactly <laughs> what the f why is it taking you so damn long woman <laughs> no, I'm so sorry <laughs> I know, I know. But you know what it is? I've been just, because you are so like, just a wealth of knowledge. And it's almost like I didn't want to, it sounds so weird, like to not waste your time. But I wanted to have something where I was like, I know, you you know, the conversation you have, there can be so the same of the same conversation, almost like wanted to bring something new or just something where my guard would come down and I'd just be like, oh come on Julia let's go at it and off the back of our conversation on your brilliant podcast um which potentially by the time this comes out it might have been aired already but people will get the gist of by the end of this recording today of what part of that episode struck a chord with me that ignited me to finally take my finger at my ass and go Julia will you come on the pod and talk about this with me right (laughs) and you did it so brilliantly in that episode I mean I walked away from our recording just feeling so like my shoulders felt like they were up here for any benign reason before and I just went ah okay and it just like untied a knot in something where I was like okay I've untied that knot and we need to explore why that knot is there and keeps recurring and still is today. Um, but before we get into the topic today, I'm sure we're going to go to great, great lengths because it's so varied. Um, would you mind, Julie, just telling the audience, I mean, I'm absolutely sure they already do, because if they're listening to me and follow me, they know that I love you and your work and we've worked together plenty of times. But who are you, Julia? Well, at my most personal, probably most importantly, I am someone who values loving and relationship and that gets played out in many different ways I mean as a as a wife as a mother as a grandmother as a friend and then professionally I'm a psychotherapist and I've been a therapist for like 33 years Um, I worked in the NHS supporting families when a child and baby dies for 25 years I've written three best-selling books. I think the one most relevant to your audience is GriefWorks. Um, I've developed a GriefWorks app, which has been kind of five-star rated, is really good. And I have now my own podcast, Therapy Works, with my two therapist daughters, who you know, Emily, and my mm-hmm. other daughter, Sophie. Um, and I'm a columnist, I now have a column on the Times Luxury, yeah. But I I think, I actually think the only thing that matters in all of that is connection and relationship and love. Totally. I love that you started that off with saying, you know, by first of, yeah, I'm a person who values this because I think so often, you know, you are are held as, you know, Saint Julia. You are Saint (laughs) Julia to us. Oh, my God, I'm finally a patron of Child Bereavement UK. That was a big yeah. world. Like, shit, I forgot that one. That's a big one. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll, we'll edit it so that's at the beginning of all the time. No, you don't. Leave it like that. It's better. 
<laughs> I am so far from being a saint. You, I mean, as you know me, Amber, <laughs> I am the reverse of a saint. I am as much a bitch as anybody else. <laughs> But you know what? You're you're a lovely biatch as well. So, but just you know, above all of the titling and all of you know the years of your career behind you, you know, we hold you with such high respects and and knowledge, and like you're a real just warmth to you. But before all of that, you are a human being. You are a mother, a wife, a family member, a grandmother. Who, uh, out of all the titles, all the success, at the core of it is connection and just like these are the things that matter most to me by far totally at the end of the day as I think I said on your pod when we were talking on it like what to to think about and I was like I think about deathbed me of like all this stuff it's brilliant it's great and all these successes and all these great milestones and things to do but at the end of the day on your deathbed you're like oh what really matters is those people who are around those those bedsides um and so in the stick of the mud of life today, when we get all wrapped up in it, you go, oh, forget all that shit, forget all that noise. To touch on what today I brought you here today for Julia, because like I said, I don't think there's anybody else I wanted to and like needed to discuss this with because it's been a topic that has been brought up a lot to me in the grief gang community have come people come forward to me and ask me certain questions and I've definitely been a bit hesitant to take a deeper dive in because it meant for me to take a deeper dive into it of to if I was going to source potentially helpful advice for my community on this topic I potentially have to go to the place with them too um and that that's that's how it's felt for me maybe that's not a a necessity but it's felt like that it's felt like the mirror has finally been held up and go amber i think we should talk about this part of your grief and that is to do with the surviving parent so today's episode will probably be quite predominantly about the death of a parent and then the surviving parent and the widow um but i'm sure that along the way we will find areas that we can relate it to different types of losses but at this present moment it is predominantly to the surviving parent and the complexities with that the how the relationship can change and a little bit for me of like my present situation of the surviving parent is that surviving parent moving in a different relationship and moving even with that I can't even say like moving on Ah, it's like, ah, even saying that, like they're moving on or moving forward into a different relationship. Can I point something out? You also said the surviving parent, not my surviving parent. So you've yeah. made it objective, not subjective. Like yeah. it's something I think I'll be doing you. that a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm taught, yeah, as if it is something external because it's it's very much at the centre of my world at the moment. Um yeah, I do it at the surviving prayer and I'm not applying it as if it's something into my world, which it very much is. And I'll get on to a bit later the question that, around the question that you asked me in the podcast that initially sparked this. And we started going into those kind of thoughts and feelings that feel really wrong, but are quite normal Um after the death of somebody in your life and kind of these intrusive thoughts perhaps um but 
I suppose really to start off where to give you a more flavor though we had the lengthy talk after but to give more the audience I suppose for the first time is to talk about the surviving parent in my let's we'll, we'll go we'll eat the vegetables first of um when the surviving parent moves on into a different relationship so we'll start there and then we'll go into a bit of what it's like to support the surviving parent because I know there's people who listen who have the experience of their parents were together and now that parent is bereaved and they are struggling to support that parent. Like that parent has almost flipped and the traditional role of the parent looking after the child has changed and it's now child looking after parent. So my experience is <laughs> my mum and dad separated quite a long time before she died, about five, six years. And it was very tumultuous marriage and um, never divorced, but separated. And mum has died in the, the tragic and quick way. And so they were, they were not together in a loving relationship once she died. Um, and so my dad had had partners since they had separated. But once she died, it felt, uh, looking at my dad's grief and his outward expression of grief, um, very much felt as if like this was a man who, a husband who has lost his wife, like his marital wife who he is still with. And so... It felt like that for quite a few years afterwards. But then as time has moved forward, he has, he was dating anyway. He wasn't, they weren't together. So, but it's at the point now where it's very serious and it's got to a point where I know for sure for me, there's, there's an undercurrent of my, like feeling orphaned. That's the biggest thing for me of feeling orphaned and the abandonment there so amber you're what you're recognizing is despite the kind of external logic that your mum and dad mm. weren't married when she died he already had other relationships um and maybe those other relationships were the cause of their separation so there's mm. something in that so the history yeah. of where you get to what has happened influences you mm. but also it feels like what you're asking is how come I feel abandoned by my father while he's investing in a new loving relationship when he'd had lots of relationships is that your question I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, sort of, and kind of, I think 
uh, I don't know if it's really more of a question, more of like a reflection of, um, although I know my dad has not abandoned me and he lives up the road and he very much is a constant in my life, it's that feeling of there's now somebody else in the conversation that occupies his time a lot. And it's so strange being 25 years of age with my own life, with my own responsibilities, my own busy calendar. But yeah, I'm still like, yeah, boyfriend and friend. And just like my fucking calendar is booked as. It's just strange of, yeah, how being at 25 years of age and it's more like if my dad was to turn around and be like, I've got all this time in the world and was to be knocking at my door, I'd say, dad, please hold up. Like, I've got a life to live. But just maybe the knowing of like, oh, but my dad isn't like, I'm not like a young kid anymore. We're like, call up dad and he'll be there. Or like, he will in some capacity, but he is otherwise occupied. That's the, the short in front of it. He is otherwise occupied by an external person who I don't know from Adam and who there's friction there anyway, but not enough to, you know, not a God awful person, but there's just this external figure now and who are you and why are you now taking my only surviving parent from me that's the core of it yeah. <laughs> well you say you, you are taking my only surviving parent from me it's like this woman it's not that there's anything wrong with her but you mm. hate her because she yeah. is taking your only surviving parent from you and can I yeah. kind of feed into that? And I know you're laughing, but actually also it's like you put your hand on your mouth. It's like you've, you're having feelings you think you shouldn't yeah. have. It's first of all that with a parent, always a baby Amber shows up, a five-year-old Amber, mm. an eight-year-old Amber, a 10-year-old Amber, a 15-year-old yeah. Amber, an 18-year-old Amber and a 25-year-old Amber. So with a yeah. parent, there are always the many versions of a child in you. Mm-hmm. And when something changes and their level of attention, you know, the beam of his light, as it were, isn't focused on you, it's on focused on someone else, you will feel that injury. And your yeah. injury is intensified by the fact that your mother has died. So a new loss Mm -hmm. always brings back a previous loss. Yeah. And the kind of third thing to say is that feelings are not facts, but also we can't shape our feelings into facts. So that, you know, you kind of feel like, Amber, I'm 25. I'm, you know, a professional, successful woman who's got my own life and my own partner and my own kind of um, adult self. Mm -hmm. Why am I caring about my dad um, moving his attention to this woman? Mm -hmm. And you kind of want to be able to shape your feelings um, to fit that narrative. And the reality is there's probably a lot of unresolved losses with your dad from when he left your mum. Lots of unresolved questions and maybe furies and Mm. protection of your mum. So... Mm. I remember a close friend of mine talking about his mother who died and the the father was having a new relationship and he was angry with his dad. And I said to him, your mother's fight is not your fight. Mm-hmm. And he, all these years later, still does not agree with me. 
so there's there's a lot of complexity that you that so which one of those is it the young you well it's all of it isn't it yeah I think definitely hearing you both say then of like yeah the multiple younger versions of me are still showing up today absolutely but then that also yeah feeds into yeah past losses and I think that's something that a lot of yeah people in grief gang who've come to me and said I think of it is more than just oh this new person has come into their life or that your surviving parent is looking to date and find love again there's some type because I hear some stories of people who are like I'm so elated for my surviving parent to find love and I'm like what I'm like how how and it's like but if you were to strip back there may, there may be a healthier a history or just thing grievances has been aired and that those previous losses have been done and put to bed. Whereas when this big, it's almost like I found my reason to go off the fucking chain at him. And, but it's not, it's for a lot of other stuff as well. And it's like got a long old receipt of stuff before and I've just found my moment. Um, but I, t- I totally hear an echo when you said of you I can take the fact of yeah I'm 25 and I have my own life and all this why do I feel like that because that's totally where my it's like the logical and illogical part of my brain goes Amber why are you being so bothered because on day-to-day like it's not a day-to-day grievance but just when it's in my face it's like oh like this big red angry amber comes out and they're just battling with each other but now they've got so tired of arguing with each other they're just like oh both exhausted both exhausted so so i tell you that rather than battling with each other give them both space allow Mm. them both parts of you to speak allow your heart to speak allow all of Mm. the unresolved injuries and losses and furies with your dad to speak not necessarily to him Mm. I mean maybe to him but whether he's up for listening to them you know only you can kind of know but also allow the logical side so it's like it's not like a standoff like one needs to win it's like there are many aspects of you that need to be heard and I mean You know, the other thing, I remember a young woman whose whose mum had died. She died by suicide. And about five years later, um, had she was living with her dad. She was at university, so she was younger than you, but not much. Mm. Um, had a new partner. And seeing the new partner put clothes where her mum's clothes had been in the cupboard. Yeah. And it... You know, she said, I know I want my dad to be happy Hmm. and I do not want this woman in my mother's wardrobe. I do not want this woman in my kitchen. Yeah, I do not. (laughs) I do not want this woman anywhere near me. It's like if we could have like a stick and a sage, like, get away. It's not your territory. Yeah, it's all territorial. It is. Oh, God. And and then this new woman, who you say is perfectly nice, but you have issues, she's probably getting a version of your dad that maybe your mum didn't get. Maybe she's... This is true. She's also living. Your mum isn't living. This is true. And it's, you know, uh, that's a part too that I've thought of. 
because I've gone to the other side and thinking, well, why is she so obsessed with him? Like he's this, he's that. So I've started berating not only her. What's she doing with him? What she? What does she fucking see in him? Like they're both in tandem, getting it in the neck. They're both in tandem, just getting it both. Do they listen to your podcast, by the way? Uh, do you know what they might do? I'll say, you know what? Listen to the episode and let's talk from there. <laughs> but to be honest, all this stuff at present, that my father and I, we have had conversation. I think we're now letting it just sit and then coming back but there is yeah totally aspects of that of yeah of um he's done this and he's done that but actually recognizing that my parents marriage didn't work out for a reason or for no reason but it didn't work out I mean it just didn't work out and for whatever reason they weren't together at the time when she died and that relationship didn't work and is that to say that my dad is potentially a commitment phobe maybe or maybe he just wasn't happy and married with my mother and it's that you know it's the it's the what if in the conversation maybe he does present himself as a different version to what I knew him as a husband to my mother and therefore going I can't or have to I'm trying to learn to go he's potentially not the same marital or spouse that he was to your mum and that he, maybe he's changed but then more so thinking why do I give a fuck <laughs> like, if he hasn't changed it's not if he wants to do what he wants to do to this woman what he did to mum then uh, like that's more for him that he's not grown in the past decade but yet being just so hell-bent it's really really yeah, rocked in the past year, but then there's different things that have happened of, and it's definitely, it's more so of, um, obviously having a parent move on after your, your other parent has died of how different traditions then will change, obviously. So now there is a different person in the picture. And for example, the biggest gripe of, as of very recent was this Mother's Day just gone of, um, Normally, we'd spend it all together as a family. My brother would spend it with his spouse and, and their children, so they'd have their own little Mother's Day there. And we'd normally have a dinner or whatnot, and Dad would be involved in that because although my parents were separated, he was very... He, Dad was, that's one thing I can never, ever berate my dad for of. Um, he was very much team talk about mum after she died. Like, he didn't put her in a box and put her under the bed. Like, he went, yeah, we will talk, and I can... I've been very lucky when people said, oh, my other parents been shit. I'm like, oh no, mine's actually been pretty good. And as, and you can see where this is going, since the partner, it's not been so much so. And so then therefore that's fed into my notion of she's a witch. <laughs> well, she feels like she's stolen not just your dad, but your dad who loved your mum. Mm. and wanted to keep on the relationship with your mum. So there's a bit of your mum and the traditions um, yeah. that have become less uh, reliable. And everything, when you're grieving, feels so rickety that you want to be able to rely on at least Mother's Day. And if that feels wobbly, it's it really pushes your buttons. Yeah. I think that's what for me was it's um the days when you really feel like you need that surviving parent to show up and then they don't and you're like oh wow I can't even depend that's again back to dependency dependency and that going oh god I can't even on this day I can't go back to being like 19 year old Amber and just going back to that kind of kid stage and Cozy. being looked after and being looked after rather than having to be the one to 
keep the shit together for everybody and be well again that's my own shit of taking that on but just someone else to go oh I know it's a shit day or potentially a shit day do you want to just hang out be like yeah but instead he had dinner with her and her mum so oh that was said with amber amber that was said with so much venom but beneath the venom was so much pain I mean I know you're laughing but I imagine that there's a lot of hurt there that you feel very deeply yeah it is it's do you know over the last year the pain has been there and it's because I think I've got to the point where and I'm not normally somebody who will like laugh through the pain and laugh through the trauma I am very I do feel I am quite poised and I will more cry out I'm not afraid to face that pain but because this has been such an ongoing pain, it's like, if I don't laugh, I will just continuously cry. And if I, I'm like, I don't think I can cry for three, six, five days a year. And, but more of just almost finding a bit of that grit to just go, well, I have to get up and keep on and have the conversation when we're ready to. And we've had the conversation and we're, we're just letting the dust settle, but it's a pain spot because it's, at the end of the day, there's going to have to be compromise. And I feel that it will be from me. And there will be a compromise of, or, or a realisation for me that will have to come of, Amber, this is life. And this is what happens. And how are we going to get through it? How are we going to build a supportive system? How are we going to protect, potentially put some boundaries in place um, that aren't going to upset everybody or that, you know, quite clearly spoken out about as to why. But that's the tricky part. You know, the task of mourning, and this is a, this is grief for your mum and it's also a kind of living loss. Mm. And the task of mourning is to face the reality, a reality you don't want and you don't choose. And this is a reality that you don't want. Mm. And it is one if you're going to have a relationship with your dad, that mm. you are going to have to find a way of accommodating yeah. and living with. It is, and yeah. for that, Amber Jeffrey, you <laughs> can't avoid but feeling the pain of it. So I know that um, you're very reluctant because it feels like if you start crying, you're going to cry 365 days. But probably if you let yourself really kind of say what's going on and the feelings attached to them, it probably holding them down you know you know I say this holding them down is the thing that blocks you accommodating and learning to Mm. live with this new loss and the things that you do to block them being busy keeping going being Mm. strong is the thing in the end that does you harm yeah so by being self-compassionate by legitimizing Mm. the real loss that you feel around this and putting the kind of logic to one side and allowing yourself to feel all of these different losses. And to go just blurt it all to out. To go emotional. To go, to go, yeah, to the dark place. Or not the, even that dark place. Like even that I already it's put quite, yeah, quite, a, I already put a negative connotation to yeah. it of go to the dark not place, dark. go to the, because it feels, um, like it could go to an ugly place within me. Like ugly things could be said, ugly things could be thought which actually, you know, what segues quite well into the topic of um, 
intrusive thoughts. I, I, I get confused between intrusive and impulsive, and um, you'll be able to decipher a bit more for us in terms of the context what we were going to talk about. And it was on your podcast, and we kind of dipped our toes in the conversation that we're having now. And you asked me a question. I'm so glad that you asked it because I knew as soon as you asked it, and then once it airs, I know so many people will go, "Oh my god, thank fuck, someone said it." I would like just, or even you asked it, and me responded to it, and you just simply asked, "Do you ever wish that it was the other parent?" Did the wrong parent die? Did the wrong yeah. parent die? And I have never, ever, ever been asked that. But I know people, especially in like conversations that I've been having very recent in the last year, like talking about like with my dad, I know people have definitely thought, my God, this girl most definitely wishes that it was the other parent. And it's it was like liberating, but scary to say because I know it is absolutely something that many people have thought, and I hope anyone who's listening today who has had that thought knows that you're not, well, one, you're not alone in it, and kind of, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm beginning to put you on the spot, Julian, and say, like, why do we think that if there is a genuine answer to that? But I feel like for me, in the times when I have felt or had that very passing, fleeting thought, and it's a really scary thought because when it comes to your mind, you go, oh my God, I can't believe I just thought that, let alone if I said it out loud or something. But um, all the moments when it has passed through my mind have been moments for me when my dad has really let me down and not shown up for me in the way that I would think my mum would have. For examples, Christmases, birthdays stuff like that milestone days milestones and just even in the everyday sometimes um just when I go oh you know what mum wouldn't mum wouldn't have done that or mum would have done this god I wish it was her here instead of him and that's a really tricky thought to have and to express out loud because of course if somebody said well, if somebody actually came to you and said, yeah, I can make that reality. I can bring your mum back and do your dad. It's very conflicting. I don't think I could actually press the button. I don't think I could go and go, no, off him, bring her back, because what the fuck? Um, but that's where we we pit, we stopped off last time with yours and kind of, I wanted to know if, you know, have you in your career and just your thoughts on that, like, how nor- how normal are we for thinking that? <laughs> of course you're Okay. Of course, and anyone who has these feelings is okay, and or thoughts. And thoughts, remember, are not wish fulfillments, that your thoughts mm-hmm. don't become reality. And I think sometimes we're scared, you know, even having the thought, we're frightened in a kind of magical thinking that mm-hmm. we have this perverse power and that something bad is going to happen to your dad. Or And... You know, I've worked with parents who, as much as they don't want it to be true, they feel the, their wrong child died. They had a, yeah. a different child that, you know, that they in some way felt was more the child that really fulfilled all their dreams <clears throat> and mm-hmm. that, that was the child that died. And so, and you know, you said it comes up particularly at times when your mum was at her best 
and your dad is different. And so that's when you would miss her most. And then you would feel mm. like, ah, oh, you know, it's not fair. Dad should have yeah. died and not mum. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of recognise that emotions and the thoughts that go with those emotions don't have morals attached to them, really. It's yeah. your actions that have morals, your behaviour. Mm-hmm. So as long as you don't act out, yeah. I wish Dad was dead. No, no, no. <laughs> or blame him for being alive. I think it's useful to yeah. recognise that part of what you're feeling now with um, his new partner could be also there's some attachment to this belief that your mum would have been different and that she would have done better with a different partner mm. if she had one or she wouldn't have had one, she wouldn't yeah. have left you. So I think the the big message I'd like to get people to listen is not to um, put moral ju- judgments on their thoughts and their feelings, but to find a way mm. of expressing them it, to, in a, to save people, not to yeah. everybody, yeah. or but to people who they trust and value. I can safely say, like a, a thought like that hasn't part even amongst the midst of what's been going on probably because i've pushed it i'd be like do not think about that like that's not a nice thought but definitely and yeah a few early stages was like something went wrong here in the mix-up like this should not have been this way and i was just thinking then about it of um of when you said then about children like certain children surviving and parents wishing for another I I found it just thinking about it actually just even now I remember so my mum's mother passed away in childbirth about three weeks after she died and therefore so mum was motherless before she was even a month old and her father was obviously left to care for her but then my mother was raised by like her grandmothers and aunties and everything as such granddad went back to work and whatnot and years later when my mum and dad met down the line in the late 80s early 90s my mum I remember wrote to my dad and we found all these letters after she died and going through her stuff and she wrote once in a letter to my dad and said I sometimes think my dad resents me for living and I thought oh what a thing to carry for your she must have been then about 20 she didn't have about 24 so you're about my age about my age and could write in a letter, I think my dad resents me for being the one who survived. And I thought, mm. fuck, that's a, that's a big thing to carry for your life or feeling that knowledge or whatever behaviours have been shown to you to express that you mm. shouldn't have been the one that survives. And that is, I suppose, for my grandfather, acting upon that, impulsive thought not properly and physically but very much showing you shouldn't have been the one that survived and that for me I think I would know I'd like to think and hope that I would know if I was to start expressing and and like you say you know kind of these these thoughts they don't have moral compasses like although they're our thoughts and we have our own moral compass these would you say they're do they fall under an intrusive thought would you say the the definition of an intrusive thought is one that kind of threatens you, I guess, okay. in some way. That it's so that would be very su- subjective. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I think what's in, uh, an intrusive thought could be 
what you've said and for somebody else it it might not be and I'm trying to think of the, the right definition for intrusive thought the kind of aspects of ourselves that we really don't like and don't want okay. yeah um mm. and it could be wanting to kill someone because we're so angry yeah. it could be wanting to die because we're so angry mm. it could be at the most extreme and everything in between, but the, it's mm. the sort of, they shock us and they take yeah. us off, off, off kind of off being kilter. the versions of ourselves, off kilter and the versions of ourselves that we prefer to be. And the piece that I think is helpful in that is when we kind of recognise that we are all of these things. We have yeah. all of these drives and thoughts and feelings. And it is really in our actions that matters. Mm. It isn't what we yeah. think. I mean, our, our actions include what we say to people. So, you yeah. know, recognising that there's lots of feelings and thoughts you have about your dad, but being sensitive mm. about what you actually say to him and how you say it to yeah. him. Not as a Absolutely. stick to beat him with, but as a way to yeah. build yeah. the relationship and help you underst- him to understand you and you to understand him to build the bridge of connection between you. Mm. Mm. Not as, as a punishment. Part, yeah, yeah, to punish them. And totally, I think, especially as at that child-parent dynamic, even respective of mine and my dad's history of... Um, you do look to your parent as a bit of that beating bag or, or more like beat them, but you know you can say a lot and do a lot. It, I feel like with mine, relationships and kind of, not there's no repercussions, but I can say what I feel. I can say what I feel and not, uh, I guess maybe probably to the detriment sometimes of being like, I have to say we're very open, say what you feel and we'll deal with the consequences after type thing. But actually, and that was as a child, you know, as a teenager, I hate you, go away, leave me alone. I don't want you to be my dad, my mum. But then actually being, coming as an adult and in the situation now of actually being able to look at my dad and go, okay, you are still my dad and I do still feel that element of comfort to say what I want and how I want it. But knowing that this is to actually just another human being in front of me and that words hurt and that words stick and they will stay and so how I'm saying it and what I really want to say I can say it but without being venomous and punishing exactly so so not using your distress and hurt as a as a weapon of mass destruction but starting Mm. with when you started going out with so-and-so I felt Mm. this and I felt that. Yeah. And I know I want you to be happy. And I also feel in seeing you happy, I, I miss my mum or, or I mm. feel angry about your relationship with our mum, with my mum. So that you own it. Mm. You don't start shouting at him for being selfish or abandoning you. or So then he has a place to meet and respond to your to your hurt that he can mm. acknowledge and allow rather than feeling that he's asking you to leave this girlfriend or mm. change something which which isn't fair yeah and that, that's ask not the ask respect. at all yeah that's yeah. where we're having our crossed wise i think he thinks that i want that but it's not and i think 
it's time to write a letter, methinks. <laughs> a letter's are good because you can yeah. really take time to write it in a way and rewrite it until you're ready to send it. Yeah, to take out the venomous bits that maybe might have just come out of the pen, you know, and scratch that out and start again. <laughs> And Perhaps. the venom is your hurt, right? It is, yeah. I, w- I want to touch on more, and this has been great help, Julia. I feel like I've basically just booked in for an hour of therapy with you for free. <laughs> well, I, uh, but I know you haven't had a good experience of therapy, but I think this is exactly the sort of thing you should take to a therapist. I know, I really I know, do. Because I it know. isn't a one-stop you know shop. <laughs> it is. And do you know what? I think so much of aspects of my grief is wrapped up in this and... I did say 2023 I would try and dabble back in the therapy room. I'll take any recommendations, Julia. I'll send you my list. I've got a list. I'll send it to you. You send me the list. I trust your I trust your recommendations. I think I've but sent I, it to you already. I probably um, miscellaneous it in my inbox. Mm, <laughs> Just to be like... Funny <laughs> that. Another day. But <laughs> I wanted to touch on more of... Can I say one more on... thing, Amber <laughs> Jeffrey? <laughs> A massive diversionary tactic is to respond to everybody else's grief and kind of speak grief. Yeah. It avoids your own. It doesn't avoid it, but it it doesn't deal with it. Yeah, there's definitely areas like this and there's a deeper surface to be scratched for me one that doesn't live on the internet or on this podcast. Um, and that is just for me and my own healing and my own process. For me, it's just going, where do I start? <laughs> what, where do I pick up from? Do I pick up from mom dying pre that? For me, I feel like I, I search for that definitive point, but I know it's just like, go and see where you start. Go and see what, sense. when you're sat in that chair goes, I think I need to talk about this. And then we'll go off the branches of the branches of the branches of the branches. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, you've inspired me, I'd say. Good. Bite damn time, Amber Jeffrey. (laughs) (laughs) Like she takes forever to invite me on her pod. She doesn't get therapy herself. What the fuck am I playing at? I should not be trusted with this podcast. But I want to touch on before we kind of like loosely wrap up of more for people with the, the other parent, the surviving parent, our surviving parents of those who maybe aren't at a stage with them where they are potentially looking for other love and new relationships. And they are maybe in the throes of that very early loss. And so that child and parent dynamic can change. And it now looks like where other parent is bereaved and widowed in in the aspect. And now child who has then lost their parent too, is now having to look after the surviving parent whilst also holding their own grief. And I've had, and I'm sure you have as well, lots of stories and people come and say, I feel like I'm having to put my grief aside because my parent has now lost their partner. And lots of people, as we all do, I think we've all had quite an experience of we're grieving totally differently, like on different scales and different. And it's like, this is their partner and this is your parent. And though it is that huge loss in your dynamic, respecting that these are totally different losses all across the board with everybody in this family. But wanted to know if you have your experience of of children um who have come to to you for support or just stories of 
having to now support the other parent and perhaps putting their grief aside and and what does that look like kind of building a healthy parent child relationship again after such a loss I think what's really I mean it's very common Mm. um, this is with adult children but actually even with with children children they become parentified children where not only has one of their parents died but the grief of the surviving parent is like they've lost that parent as well and so they have no adult parent who's really taking care of them and that is incredibly painful because the outcome for children and young people whose parent dies the 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 biggest predictor is the capacity of the surviving parent to support their child and young person so if the the surviving parent isn't able to do that it really is important that they get support from somewhere else because you you just can't put they can't put their own grief to one side indefinitely Mm. um it will come out and get them in other ways kind of other times i've had many clients who've come to me 12 or 15 years after their parent died and you know they're having a breakdown or they're you know incredibly ill because They've just keep, kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I can imagine a lot of, does. do you see a lot of like resentment in those children of I had to hold the fort down in, you know, emotionally, physically, whatever it is for that surviving parent and in their needs. And now there's the resentment there of where was my time to fall apart as the child? There can be resentment. There can be, in a way, lack of resentment's even worse because it's like they don't value their own right needs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they're not even angry that they didn't get their needs met. They're so they're so distanced from getting their needs met that they don't even recognise that they deserve. Um, and it's very complicated. I mean, I think one of the big things to recognize in families is that is to allow difference that every member of the family whether it's siblings together um, and the parents and the grandparents will have their own subjective experience of grief and that will be influenced by their psychological makeup their history of loss the circumstances of the death the relationship with the person that died and the support they get after the death and so for each family member, that will be very different where they were mm. in the in the family um, birth order, for instance, if it's the children. Mm. And the thing that helps in families is to allow difference, to support difference. That mm. the teenage boy who goes clubbing at 18 is not feeling less pain than his 17-year-old brother who stays home and, and can't move. It's just their Mm. way of expressing it is different. And so there isn't a good or a bad way. But what really, really helps in families is communicating and finding ways of allowing everybody to voice their loss in their own way. Um, Mm. And that can be really important. And one of the ways, quite simple ways of doing it is, for instance, if, if you have younger children, but actually even kind of, you know, a lot of young people are moving back home after university and mm. and um, because of, of the cost of living crisis and accommodation crisis, all of that, mm-hmm. is to have a, 
like a shoe box with a little um, uh, cutout, like a post box, and to put in memories or what I miss or something in relation to the parent that died. And then every now and again, every sort of Sunday, once a month or whatever the family mm. decide or on, you know, high days and holidays, you tip the box out and other people who've come into the house could put in their thoughts or their memories and you just mm. read them out. Yeah. And it's such a lovely, non kind of pressured way of talking about their mum or their yeah. dad. Um, and getting the conversation started. Yeah. I can imagine. I miss her yeah, when. Yeah, yeah, and getting that cut, yeah, because it can go for so long and for anyone, and I might feel really difficult, especially with somebody who, with their surviving parent, may, they may, I've had many messages from people who say, I miss, you know, my person, my, my parents so much, and I want to talk, they want to talk about them, talk about but them. the visceral pain from their other parent puts them off, they're like, I'd, they know that they're not going to remind them because they know they are living with it every day, but they're, they're as we always in fear of, well, if I say, can we start this box or can we start talking about memories? They might think, oh, it's going to just tip them over the edge. But maybe that's just what they need. Maybe they're just harboring all these memories. And they're like, they're looking, thinking, I'm dying to talk to my kids about these memories, about their parent and stuff like that. And so it's so interesting how you can all have the same thought, but just no one's talking. But just putting that in the middle to say let's you know we don't have to look at each other sometimes even i've noticed even that sometimes even when you kind of don't even look at each other and talk how much can come well, out i think walking and talking you hear yeah. me, heard me say it a million times yeah but i think rituals you know like funerals but rituals after the funeral mm. are the most kind of productive structure to grieve and creating rituals, mm. whether it's always making mum's chicken soup on a Wednesday or, you know, doing the box thing once a month or going for a walk every other week or going mm. to the grave together or, but just having rituals as a family, which are habits with soul and with soul with an intention to remember and connect to the person that's died. And you can create mm. any ritual you like. It could be that yeah. we or wear something of mums or dads, or, you know, whatever it is that works for you mm. as a family. And then you don't have to kind of start all over again every time. Mm. It's like, the you know, the ritual is there. We do this once a month, once every two months. Yeah. We do this every Friday. And so it's kind of in place. and You don't have mm. to fight for it. You don't have to get agreement. People who want it will show up and be part of it. And it has this structure, this beginning, middle and end that is incredibly holding and containing, which is the thing we really need for grief. We need holding and containing when what we feel is so, as you've described so powerfully mm. today, it's so chaotic and mm. um, limitless and yeah. gives us you know, an intensity of feeling we'd really much rather not have. It's the rituals and then it's, it's the tricky... I feel like for me, we've had rituals. It's when the rituals change, as all get things change. Get all, when rituals get dropped and some don't see them as an importance, but some do. And you're like, oh, hang on, we were tag teaming this ritual for years and now we're losing people by but numbers. But that's what life. you, I mean, that would be a very, it's not life. That could be a is very useful conversation <laughs> with your dad or people listening to the, to their parent, which is, 
I know that your life is changing and that you have this new relationship or you this new job or you and also the thing that has really mattered and helped kind of support me is that every year we do Mother's Day lunch mm. and you know you can have lunch with your partner 364 days a year please will you commit to have lunch with me on that Sunday do you know what? It it's really not too matters much to me. And do you know what? Is but it also, too much he to probably ask? doesn't even know how much you care. I know, but then, I, but, but part of me that feels like bizarre because I feel like I do. But, but, but then, do you know what? As well, that's for me. I know there is. I look as much as I am a Taurus, and I love to think that I am perfectly perfect, and I'm never in the wrong. I know there is some inner work for me to do. Um, but I feel like maybe I do he show. doesn't know Amber because you yeah. haven't told him. Yeah, maybe. He can't I think maybe I need to read. go in his calendar and go right. These days, I really, really <laughs> need you. And but you could start it by saying, "Dad, I really love you. You are I really know. important to me." And given that Mum's died, you're even in a way more important to me. So rather mm. than beating him for being your dad, tell him you love him and that given that I love you and I really need you, can we, Dad, can you help me with this? And he's, of course, yeah. he's going to say yes. Yeah. But if you just bollock him for not doing yeah. stuff that he doesn't know <laughs> that he's meant to be doing, he'll just think, well, I mean, I just can't deal with it because I can't fix that. Well, that's the... You no, haven't it's been like completely you... straight, Amber. <laughs> I'm giving him mixed signals, mixed signals. It's like but fuck off so and die. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you. Be with me on Mother's Day. <laughs> Every day. I need you. I'm four years old. Literally. Like pick me up and, and take me to school. Honestly, pick me up, take me to school, cook me dinner, five meals a, a week. Like, yeah. But then do you know what the weirdest part is? Like, like, there is yeah, wipe my ass. <laughs> Can you get me some nappy cream? And like, you know. Mm. It is the strangest part is that like I am in that big rage of like punishing and stuff like that. When and then in the next minute I'm like, oh, should I take him some dinner for the week? <laughs> like I want to care for him as well. Like I'm not a horrific daughter. Where I'm like, oh, I don't want to look up. No, like you're a I want daughter. to look after him. And it's so you're like, what are these big feelings? Like I'm like, fuck you, hate you, get out my life. Like I don't see you in my life. And then. I want nothing but more you to be a present figure in my life and to be here, like, because you're all I've got. You're all I've got in that parental figure. And it's to the root of that, like, you're all I've got and I will fight tooth and nail to ensure it is, even if it means fighting you as well. But you don't <laughs> oh, yeah. need to fight him. No. You just need to let him know. And just to remember that indifference is the opposite of love not hate yeah you know yeah. where you love most you hate most yeah so yeah. but how you express that hate slash love mm. will really predict the outcome of your relationship with your dad because if you do yeah. it in a way that is intolerable for him to hear mm. he will mm. back off yeah you know particularly being a man of his time he will back off yeah and yeah. then you yeah, really set up a horrible thing. Yeah, to to kind of come back from, and it'll be yeah. You say things that you you can't you know even with parents, I do think there are things you can say that you, you should can't never come back say. From. 
No, no. There are yeah. we, sh- we should. There are many things that we should not yeah, voice we in person. Definitely. We could write them in a letter, not post it. We can tell our therapist. We can tell our yeah. best friend, our partner, about the other person. That, yeah. But when we come to actually wanting to sort difficulty out and repair, how we say what's hurting us yeah. and bothering us will make an enormous difference in how it's received and the response that we get massively okay julia i knew this would be the outcome that you've got me to think about stuff and to not be such a hothead (laughs) and to you can be a hothead i'm not saying don't be a hothead but basically this is me it's me plastering over the big crack in the wall and going okay let's take the plaster off and let's see how bad the damage is with a potential professional. <laughs> and, and, and let's kind of kind to myself. Yeah, and... I think so. I think I do give myself a bit of a, a rap for being such a bitch. <laughs> Takes one to know But I'm, I know, it, yeah. <laughs> I think this has definitely been like possibly one of the most rawest episodes for me for quite a while I think I don't think I've sat not to disrespect any other guests but in a space where I felt so safe and you you know me and personally and we we speak and just to really let that guard down so I think yeah that listening back to this I'll be like okay this has been raw but I hope that and I know through the conversations I've had with people that this should you know provide some support and just knowledge that you're not alone in feeling that anger that rage that confusion and just to hear from julia as well today that this is pretty normal and how you can support yourself through it as well so julia thank you i mean i knew i would come out with again my shoulders down a bit more and going okay there is a there is a path there is a path it's wonderful talking to you amber and um i really hope people listening can just even take one thing from it for themselves because the thing we need most when we're grieving is the support and some a lot of that is how we give ourselves permission to support ourselves and being self compassionate and kind to ourselves. Mm. Um, and you know how much esteem and warmth I hold you in Amber. So it's yeah. and that we have fun. It's good. We yeah. do. We this is the part I thought, you know, you know what, I knew it wouldn't be I knew you'd give me some tough truths. Like I said to you before, you 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 do exude that mum and you are the mum energy of that them tough truths, but with a, a bit of laughter and a bit of humour of just like, what the fuck are you doing? Sort it out. <laughs> you want your dad's attention, but you're just giving him a hard time. Why know, will he be yeah. giving you attention? <laughs> He'll like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> I just you know. Julia, thank you so much. <laughs> <It's a> <laughs> Oh my god. Thanks for tuning in this week. I truly appreciate every single person who listens to the show. By doing so, you're actually helping more people find the show and in turn support themselves. You can keep up to date and become part of the Grief Gang community by following us on social media platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok. 
check out our website and blog too and if you fancy you can sign up to our newsletter where you will receive regular emails and first to knows on events and workshops all links for the above are in the episode footnotes big love look after yourself and i will see you next week Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.